from downtown Milwaukee, welcome to Money Talk with Bob Landis. Each week, professional advisors from Landis and Company Investments discuss the latest financial developments, offering timely insight and long-term perspective. This is Money Talk for the Thanksgiving Day weekend. Check in the calendar. The Packers are spending their Thanksgiving in Detroit, our Rothschild hometown. <laughs> and the Bucks have a couple of home games this week. Friday night, it's the Wizards, and then Portland comes to town Sunday afternoon. Back on this day in 1971, a mysterious man known as D.B. Cooper hijacked an airplane, stole a briefcase full of money, and parachuted away from the, from the airplane in a daring escape. He and the money were never seen again. Hollywood turned it into a movie, and we have a national day. Not to be confused with national holiday or a federal holiday. It's a national day. The real crime is it's not a three-day weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with a crazy story from the land down under. A man was walking near a pond when he was attacked by a 10-foot-long crocodile and started to get dragged underwater. So what do you do at a time like that? Well, it seems obvious. You bite the crocodile back. <laughs> which is exactly what he did, and the croc let him go. I don't think even Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter, knew that trick. <laughs> now let's go to India, where an angry doctor walked out midway through surgery because he wasn't served tea. What's wrong with this on so many levels? <laughs> and there's something wrong in the reporting of the story, too. It was reported that eight women were scheduled for vasectomies that day. I'm mm -hmm. guessing reporter didn't have his tea either. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, a Pittsburgh couple were watching TV when a husband wanted to change the channel, but his wife didn't want to change channels, so she was hoarding the remote in her purse. After he repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly asked her for the remote, she stabbed him. <laughs> All right, on the podcast today, we've got Rothschild, <laughs> Steve Giles, Joel Dressing, and wrapping up. Our Thanksgiving, our Thanksgiving podcast, here's Kyle Tedding. And so much to be thankful for, Max. In particular, those wonderful opens are uh, a great way to start our, our show each week. Um, you know, it is our annual tradition on this uh, Thanksgiving, uh, day after Thanksgiving podcast, uh, to talk about um, not just uh, what we're thankful for, not just what we uh, want to give to, uh, but also you know, the most tax-efficient ways to do that, the best ways within the kind of scope of our resources to make sure that uh, we are giving to the organizations we care about in a way that benefits not just them, but benefits our, our tax perspective. Uh, because by doing that, it allows us to give more. Um, and so I think I, I always like to start these kinds of uh, conversations by stating that um, Lots of great ideas out there, lots of things that can work, that do work, uh, but a reminder for all of our listeners that we are not your tax preparer. Um, and so to the extent that you want to know how these individual uh, ideas uh, work with your situation, uh, encourage you to consult with your tax preparer, encourage you to consult with uh, you know, a variety of resources to make sure that it fits with what you're trying to accomplish. Um, and with that said, I think you know, as a, as a way to start the conversation here, uh, a reminder that the absolute easiest way we can, uh, we can support those organizations that are close to us is with cash contributions. Joel, of course, the, the challenge is always in trying to identify 
well, how do I know that this is an organization that deserves my money? Uh, and you've spent some time kind of working through, um, not is this a cause that I care about, but how do I make sure that this cause is benefiting from this organization? Right, Cal. I mean, you know, one main thing is uh, all sorts of consumer advocates warn about look-alike organizations, um, you know, organizations, charities that have similar names and, and purport to be things that seem familiar to to you, but they're not. So be careful because, um, you know, as you said, giving wisely means you can give more, but make sure you're giving it to the organizations that you really care about and check them out. And don't, uh, don't be impulsive. Don't fall for emotional appeals. Uh, don't, you know, feel time pressure to, to give something right away. Uh, be careful of charities that are, that are asking for gift cards and, and things like that, which, you know, that, that happens. Um, and then try to look into the organization because as you're giving money, it's, you, you, you want, it's like an investment. You want to make sure that it's, um, that, that the return is, is high. So, you know, try to find out how much the, of your donation is going to be used for programs and services and not for administrative costs or for fundraising. Um, and there are a number of websites to go to to, to get more information. Um, co- some of them uh, try to put together almost like their fav- their own favorites. And those you can there's some give and take there, but there are a couple where you can go and, and they give very broad information. Um, one of them is guidestar.org, um, and, and that's a free website. You can get a lot of information about a nonprofit, a, a charitable organization through that. Um, and for a little bit more for a subscription, you can find out even more information. But even just the free subscription, you get a lot of information. And irs.gov, if you go on the IRS website and uh, look for a tax-exempt organization, they actually have a search engine there. So you can look up organizations, and they'll give you reports on them and, and their own government filings. Um, and there, I also find it useful to go to consumer. Dot .ftc for federal trade commission dot gov they have a lot of useful sources there um, for consumers but also for for people who are in ch- the charitable mode yeah so many resources out there to help uh, us as we look at especially those larger gifts uh, what's the right place for this to go of course if we're talking about smaller gifts writing a check handing over some cash um, you're not missing out on much of a tax benefit with that 50 or $100 gift. But as we talk about, um, in particular, some of these organizations that are maybe held a little closer to our hearts, that uh, are a bigger part of some of our, some of our gifting goals, um, there are ways to get some tax benefit that you might not otherwise recognize. And Steve, a big one of those, um, you know, for organizations that can receive it is to think about giving them shares of securities and, you know, some some benefits potentially to doing that rather than just handing over cash. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the point here is if we're looking for ways to, one, uh, feel good about our giving, but two, also improve our tax situation, uh, this may come into play. Um, uh, Giving highly appreciated securities is a great way for those individuals who might donate enough to um, uh, itemize on their taxes. Uh, for those of you that file jointly, the tax itemization level is $27,700, meaning if uh, in years past, most people would save their receipts, they would get their donation certificate that they made, 
uh, a donation to Goodwill or to the Humane Society. But unless we're donating more than $27,700 and adding up things like mortgage interest and our property taxes, we're not going to be able to itemize. For those individuals in a situation where you might be able to donate more than that, consider transferring your highly appreciated shares of stock or mutual funds from your taxable accounts to charity. This is very easy to do, a quick letter of instruction. We work with the charity uh, and our clearing firm Pershing to make sure that the shares transfer. It's very important that you don't sell the shares yourself and then donate the money. It defeats the purpose of getting the tax deduction uh, by not having to pay the capital gains tax yourself. Uh, By actually, actually transferring the shares to the charity, it's the charity that takes on the tax burden. And because they are a 501c3, they don't pay any tax at all on what you on what you donated to them, and you get to claim the deduction on the amount that you donated. Um, make sure that the giving also fits within your overall allocation. Uh, try to give what's made the most as long as it doesn't disrupt your overall plan. Uh, it's an opportunity to trim long-held positions with little cost basis. Uh, we all have those accounts with you know, stuff we've held for years and years and years and we've not wanted to sell for fear of paying the capital gains tax, well, this is a great time to trim some of those positions and be generous at the same time. Uh, So giving sometimes gives us an opportunity to rebalance something that we might otherwise not want to rebalance. And of course, a reminder that when you are making those gifts, generally speaking, the charitable organization you're giving to is is thinking they're going to want that as cash. And so, Um, You want to make sure you let them know it's coming. You want to make sure that when they receive those securities within their brokerage account, and you'll need some information from them to to make that transfer happen. But when they receive those securities in their brokerage account, they're not just sitting on them. They're selling them. They don't recognize the gain because they're not a charitable, they're not a a tax-paying organization as a charity. Uh, And then they've got the cash available for operations, available for whatever it is that they might want to spend it on. And so um, helpful for them to know it's coming, helpful for uh, you to kind of get that information out ahead of time. Um, And and overall, a good way to kind of make sure that we we get some benefit from something that we might otherwise owe some tax on. Is that the sort of thing where a client will come to you and say, hey, I I, want to give some money and and can you help me identify some some holdings that I have that are eligible for that? Absolutely, Joel. We have a way to help clients track things like cost basis. So we know what they paid, we know what something is worth, and if there's a sizable gain and we don't want to incur a taxable uh, event, making that donation directly to the charity is sometimes a really good course of action. So that certainly is one way in which we can have a pretty meaningful impact on these organizations we want to support without being uh, in a position to have to recognize some tax gain. Art, one of my favorites, I know one of yours, the qualified charitable distribution, a way to do that, not from your taxable account, but from your IRA, where if you were to take it as income, uh, if you were to take that distribution to you, it shows up as income. But once you reach a certain age, you can give it directly to a charity. Yeah, this is absolutely my favorite tax planning idea, qualified charitable distributions. Uh, years ago when I was much younger, Joel and I did a video on this subject, and it's, it's really a good one. And the reason it's so good is as follows. As Steve just indicated, most folks now are taking a standard deduction. So if you write a check or even give appreciated property to charity, um, you're not getting a tax benefit. 
But if you if you're at least seventy and a half, and it's a it's a calendar thing, it's not in the year in which you turn seventy and a half, like the IRS minimum distribution used to be. It has to be six months after your seventieth birthday. You can actually get a checkbook for your IRA and start writing checks to charities. And you're what you're doing is you're giving pre-tax money. So it's really tax sheltered gifting. And you can do this up to $100,000 per person per year. So a married couple could do $200,000. You can use it um, to offset what would otherwise be your required minimum distributions. So you're literally cutting your income, you're benefiting a charity, and you're doubling up. You know, you're still going to get your standard deduction. You don't have to worry about wasting it or wasting a gift to charity or not getting a benefit from it. So it's absolutely uh, a spectacular way to benefit the charity while also saving money. Um, caveat, um, many tax return preparers really don't get it. You know, they've messed these up, I can't tell you how many times, and it, it sounds complicated, it's not complicated, but when you get your 1099, it's not gonna differentiate between what you gave to charity and what you actually took and spent. So you have to separately tell your tax return preparer about your qualified charitable distributions. Don't give them a list like you have in the past, this is what I gave to charity, because they might just throw it in as, you know, itemized deductions. That's not it. These are qualified charitable distributions. Make sure you make your tax return preparer uh, aware. So is it important to get some sort of a uh, receipt from the charity? You know, technically I think it is. But given how underfunded the IRS is, I mean, it better be a reputable charity, a 501c3. Um, it cannot be a private foundation, cannot be a donor-advised fund, so you better make sure it's a legitimate charity. Um, but uh, believe me, you'll have plenty of time you know, to document it if you don't have it in your file when the IRS comes knocking at your door, because they don't have enough people to come knocking at your door. Always hope that we aren't audited, but prepared for the inevitability that we might be. So um, yes, uh, absolutely keep good records, uh, make sure that you have uh, evidence of those gifts uh, filed away so that when the IRS comes knocking, you're ready to go. You know, one thing that you mentioned with respect to the qualified charitable distributions is that they cannot go to a private foundation, or you used the donor advised fund as another place that money can't go. But the donor advised fund is, uh, separate from the qualified charitable distribution, an excellent way to set aside especially larger sums of money. Uh, when you're not quite ready to give it to the charity yet, or maybe you don't even know what charity is going to receive it, but you want to receive the tax benefit today. And so what the donor advised fund essentially does is it creates the organization that receives the money and then subsequently distributes that money, but it does it all at once. And so if you're in a tax year in which maybe you've got a windfall, you had a large buyout of a business, you uh, had some deferred compensation that came in, um, you know, whatever that, that situation is that creates some, some tax liability, maybe puts you in a higher tax bracket this year than you might be in in the future, it's a great opportunity to take a one-time large sum of money, or over the span of years, one-times, uh, and fund this donor-advised fund, fund this vehicle that then allows you to create some investments, allow the money to grow a little bit, hopefully, um, and as you find the organizations that you'd like to give the money to, now you're doling it out over time instead of all at once. So maybe it's that $100,000 buyout of your business that you didn't want to give all to that same organization at once, but you want the tax benefit this year. You put it in the donor advised fund, you get the tax benefit now. There's a little bit of a cost for this because it is an 
organization that runs this program or organizations that run this program, which create tax, uh, which creates the tax incentive to do it today, but which also means there's some some record keeping on their part that that keeps that cost a little bit higher. A couple of things on kind of donor advised funds more broadly. Now these things have been out there for quite a while, but you know just looking at the the size of donor advised funds in 2022, 34 more than 34 and a half billion dollars uh, given to charities from donor advised funds. Uh, and that has grown over the last five years at, at about 26.7%. So when you look at kind of how significant of a portion of the giving that is in our country, um, it's a, a massive, massive amount. Most importantly, the average donor advised fund is given out about 20% of its assets each year. And so this isn't money that sits forever and doesn't make its way to charitable organizations. On average, if it's 20% a year, you're talking about a payout over five years. But it is money that's been committed now to charitable giving, um, gives the giver that benefit right up front. Uh, and again, this makes sense for you know somewhat larger sizes of money. You want to do some smaller gifts or even sizable gifts, but uh, you want to do it all to the organization in this tax year. Things like the qualified charitable distribution, giving appreciated assets, even just giving cash are, are good alternatives as well. And then, of course, uh, I'm always reminded that charity starts at home. And um, so while, unfortunately, your children, your grandchildren don't qualify uh, as a 501c3 that might uh, give you the tax benefits of all this giving, um, I also know that at this time of year, uh, parents and grandparents are looking for opportunities to help their families, to uh, transfer wealth. Uh, at a time, especially this year, in which maybe they're seeing some more wealth in their accounts and are uh, some tax considerations there as well as we look at uh, how do we give money to our children, maybe not for the tax benefit, but just record keeping. Yeah, actually, the, there are varieties of, of ways you can gift. You can give cash. That's easy. You can give appreciated property, and then there's a transfer of the cost basis over to the child. Um, if you die with property, you get a step up in basis, but if you give away uh, to a child, they get your cost basis. They could sell it if they're in a lower tax bracket. Uh, there's some concerns, I think, with the uh, tax on minors. I forget what they call that these days. The uh, the kitty tax. The kitty tax. They they might have to pay at your tax rates, but you can give up to seventeen thousand um, dollars a year per donee. Um, you can do gift splitting. So between a husband and wife, you can double that uh, per donee. Uh, if, if your children are married and you want to include their spouses, that's another doubling that can happen. Um, so now we're up to 68000 I can't do that, man. Okay. Man, it's late in the day. But, <laughs> but uh, and, and next year, that's going up to $18,000, you know, times the double, uh -huh. quadruple, whatever you just ha said. Um, and uh, it, it's very easy. You don't have to file a tax return. If you go over those amounts, you do have to file a gift tax uh, return. But you don't have to pay any tax because you have a lifetime exclusion of 12, this is not a misprint, $12,920,000 you know, per person. That's the uh, limit in 2023. It's going to be over $13 million next year. I don't have many clients who are going to be doing that in the coming year. But as you suggest, generosity does begin in the home. And I have many, many clients who are successful enough to have enough money that they can give money to their children. It helps the kids out. Um, gives them a, a leg up on paying down mortgages or educating their kids. Um, and there's just, it's just a wonderful thing to think about this time of year 
and to do, you know, on an annual basis. And they're sharing their wealth while they're still alive. They can enjoy it. You've written articles on that, Joel. You've you've done some great articles talking about how important that is. One of the reminders I always give when we're talking about especially those uh, annual gift tax limits is that that is a limit on all gifts given from each individual to each individual. And so uh, if you're thinking, well, I want to transfer some wealth and I'm going to give that 17000 and I'm going to have my wife give that 17000 well, remember that you probably gave a birthday present, you probably gave a Christmas present. There's probably some other things here and there. So, um, you know, as we were talking about earlier, maybe don't give the IRS a reason to audit you. Um, either have really, really good records or maybe just leave a little bit of wiggle room. One of the best ways for the IRS to not audit you, and the best gift I think of all, is the time spent volunteering in person. Um, And for those of you that like to give your time, uh, one of the best ways to give a gift is to share that time with others. It is so incredible uh, how much work there is that can be done out there between food pantries and humane societies and all the just community organizations that uh, I know us around the table are involved in, but all of our listeners involved in as well. And yeah, the monetary gifts are great, but um, you know there is something to be said as well, Steve, as you say, for time, not just with those organizations, but with family, with friends, and trying to uh, share some of those values in a way that reflects, you know, I think what we all are so thankful for. So we enjoy doing this one, especially for you every year. Uh, we hope that uh, you've you've learned something, if uh, if nothing else, on uh, some ways that you might be able to support those organizations, those individuals close to you. Uh, and we look forward to uh, to continuing to do this program for you. Have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving and uh, happy holidays. Thank you for listening to Money Talk with Bob Landis. If you have a financial question you want answered on next week's show, email it to moneytalk at landis.com. To keep informed throughout the week, visit our Money Talk page at landis.com. <laughs>